Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. I'm super excited to be kicking off our three-week series called Family Matters. Uh, just to give you guys a little bit of the backstory, kind of let you in on our brains. At the beginning of the year, uh, we as a staff got together and we were just kind of discussing, hey, what are some topics that we think are going to be really important to the life of our church? What are some things that we need to talk about? What are some things that we really need to dig into and unanimously family came up pretty quickly. Um, we, we just know and believe that healthy individuals will go on and grow on to lead healthy families. We know that healthy individuals partner together with healthy families to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And if you were here for our vision series for uh, the last couple of weeks, you know, look, our heart is to reach, to restore, and to serve. And one of the primary ways that we believe that the Lord wants to restore us, that he wants to grow us and heal us, is in that vein of our relationships as it has to do with our families. And so uh, basically, uh, our goal across this series is we know that there is no, like, there's no cookie cutter family anymore right? Family for you looks different from family for me as it does from the person behind you. So we're not going to pretend like everybody is the same. But what we will do from week to week is we will be presenting the timeless truth of scripture in the midst of a world that is changing every single day. So each week, uh, we're going to be talking to some specific groups of people. Next week, you guys are going to hear from Pastor Chris. I believe and know in faith that he will preach the house down as it pertains to marriage. And then the following week, we get to hear from Pastor Ed about parenting. But today, today, I get to talk to you guys about singleness. And I'm not lying. I'm really excited to do this. Uh, And part of the reason that I'm really excited to talk about singleness is because I believe that singleness is a topic that is so often misunderstood. Okay, I think that singleness is a topic that we misunderstand within the church. It's something uh, that the world, I think, has gotten wrong. I think that singleness is something that single people can sometimes misunderstand. And it's something that even married people can understand, even though they were single at one point in their lives. And as a matter of fact, one of the first things that people misunderstand is who even is a single person. Biblically, Anyone who is not married is considered single. So if you're dating, uh, unfortunately, you kind of fall into this weird gray area because uh, customs and norms have changed. The Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about dating. It really does kind of break it down into singleness and marriage. And so somewhere between what we talk about today and next week, I hope you can find your way, right? Um, But besides that, even today in society, when we think of who's single, Our minds might automatically go to someone who's 18 to 30-ish, someone who wants to get married but just hasn't found the right person yet. And, And that makes up a lot of people who would consider themselves to be single. But if you look around the beautiful church family that we have even here in the house today, you know that that's not all, right? We have single parents. We have people who are single on the other side of divorce. We have single people who are single because they've lost a spouse, We have single people who are going to listen to Pastor Chris uh, preach on a Wednesday night in our East Students Ministry. And we've got primetime senior singles who are going to pray the house down every Tuesday at 10 a.m. As a matter of fact, we have people in our church who are single not because they can't find somebody, but because they genuinely feel a call on the Lord to dedicate their lives to singleness. We're not all the same. And so my heart, my challenge is uh, I can't preach a cookie-cutter singleness message just like we couldn't preach a cookie-cutter family message, but I want to honor 
the diverse representation of single people that we have in our church, the diverse representation that we have watching online, that we have present in our community. And I believe that even if you're not single, perhaps you're married, but you've got kids that you're raising, I want to help preach some concepts that will help you to raise them to appreciate and love their singleness and not to despise it. And as a matter of fact, even if you don't have kids, if you're married, even though the two have become one, you're still an individual person. And I believe that there are some things I'm gonna say today that might challenge you in your personal relationship with the Lord as well. So let's pray and we're gonna get into it. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, King Jesus. Thank you for being here today. I don't have to ask you to be here, you're already here. But would you speak to your people, whether it's something specifically that I say or just a word that comes directly from your spirit, I believe that you're gonna meet each and every one of us where we are. In ways that I am limited, you are unlimited. Be with us today. Let everything be done for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go. Okay, so the very first verse, I want to start off just by going to John chapter 8, verse 44. It'll be on the screen behind me. You don't have to turn there. The only context or the only thing that I'm going to let you know is that Jesus is the one speaking, and then I'm going to give you a pop quiz at the end, so pay attention, okay? Jesus is speaking, and he says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. All right. Now, first service, they be cheating. They told me the answer. I didn't even ask the question. Here's your pop quiz. Who is Jesus speaking about? Ooh, y'all are holy too. All right, Jesus in this chapter, in this verse, he's talking about Satan. Now, as you're listening, you might go, oh my goodness, I didn't know John 8, 44 was about singleness. I can't wait to continue in my Easter devotional plan so I can get there and learn what Jesus has to say about relationships. You should continue in that plan. It's great. But when you get to 844, what you're gonna realize is this verse has absolutely nothing to do with singleness, absolutely nothing to do with marriage or relationships. Even though the context of, 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 of this situation is very different from where our conversation is going, to, going today, I think what is timeless is who Jesus is talking about. Even though he's talking to Jewish people about all kinds of different stuff, what he just said about Satan is inherently true for us today, which is that he is a liar. He is a liar. He's not just a liar, but he's a really good liar too. I, I love watching kids lie because they suck at it. Okay, kids will tell you lies that you're like, I just, watch, I just watched you do what you said you didn't do, right? I love watching kids lie, right? It's funny. Satan is not like that. He's good at his job. The Bible says that he is the father of lies, that his, lying is his native language. He, he's fluent in the language of lies. It is easy. It's like breathing to him. And I believe, I start here today because I believe that there are lies about singleness that Satan has perfectly crafted and fed to the church. And I believe that we have believed some of them. I think that one of the ways that he has done this is one of his favorite tactics we're all very familiar with is that Satan loves to take deception and make it seem very reasonable. He knows that the people of God, when faced with a bold-faced lie, nine times out of 10 will reject it, but if you can make it look and seem holy, it's a lot harder to see the truth. It's the same thing that he did to Jesus in the wilderness, and I believe that he does it to us all the time. He takes deception, but he makes it look very presentable. He makes it seem quite reasonable to us. So we're gonna look at some of the specific lies about singleness that Satan has fed us, and we're just gonna shine the light of truth on it. Here we go. The very first lie that I want to just uncover, dig into is this, that singleness is a secondary path. 
okay? The enemy would love for us to believe today that singleness is a secondary path. Now, I'm someone, I've dated people before, I've been in relationships, but since I've been in the church, since I've been saved, I've been single. And I can tell you from personal experience that when church people talk about singleness, nine times out of 10, it's never like, wow, that's great. It's never looked at as what a great, fun, exciting time in your life. It's almost never talked about as, wow, what a time to treasure. You have something really valuable. Oh, gosh, please don't take it for granted, right? If anything, it's the opposite. It's like, oh, no, I'm so sorry for you. Can I, can I pray for you? I appreciate people praying for me, but, but, but singleness is not supposed to be looked at as like this dark, grim, wilderness season that if the Lord was gracious upon you, then maybe he will pull you out into the promised land of marriage, I want to remind you today that singleness does not have to be like that. Now, for me today, I I get that I don't have kids, and so some of the things that I'm going to say may not really relate to you specifically depending on your situation. But I'll be honest with you. There are things about being single that I absolutely love. There are freedoms that I have right now that as I look at the married people around me who I also love, marriage is not bad, marriage is awesome, but when I look at their lives, I go, oh, my gosh, I've got something now that I won't have whenever I'm married. Okay, I love the fact that I don't have to coordinate my schedule around another human being. Okay, I'm a little selfish in that way. My life is submitted to God, but I'm glad that I have that freedom. Listen, this time last year, when it started to come out that we were going to have to spend all day, every day with the same people. I was feeling bad for y'all. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I noticed because I noticed some people I was like. Y'all making up some errands to do. You doing stuff that you wasn't ever doing before just to get out of the house. I believe you love your kids. I believe you love your spouse, but not that much, right? I, I, I was at home doing puzzles, okay? I loved my singleness last year, and part of that is because I had great friends that I could still have co- uh, that connection with, so I wasn't feeling isolated. But, man, that was a time where I was like, I'm so glad that I have this season where I don't have all that resting on my shoulders. Another time I feel really grateful is uh, whenever I watch people with children try to get their children to leave anywhere, okay? I have learned that getting kids anywhere takes anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes and add an extra 10 minutes if you need to get those kids into a car seat, okay? It is a process. I, like, you got to make some sacrifices on the altar to get them kids anywhere. Can I show you how I leave my house? You want to see it? It's like this. If you got kids, you didn't know you could do this. Ready? Bam. Glory to God. It's that simple, okay? I don't have to wrestle a child. I don't have to find their coat. I don't have to tell them that their shoes are on the wrong feet. I don't have to pull their sleeve out of their coat because they started crying because they got caught. I understand. I don't like that either. I don't have to tell them to use the bathroom and then remind them to go wash their hands. And then they lie to me and say that they washed their hands, but they didn't really wash their hands. It's a whole song and dance. There are little moments, there are big moments, and I know it's funny, but the truth is we have to stop talking about singleness as a consolation prize. We have to stop talking about it as something that is secondary because that's not how Scripture talks about it. In 1 Corinthians 7, this is kind of like like the marriage and relationships chapter. Anytime you hear a a, a sermon on singleness, hopefully somebody goes here. But here's uh, 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Paul says, I wish that all of you were as I am. And Paul was single. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. He says, I wish that all of you guys were single like me, but I get it. It's not going to be like that for everybody. 
Marriage and singleness have their own distinct benefits. They have their own distinct uh, needs. And so you're going to need your own distinct gifting. And while the enemy would love for us to believe that singleness is secondary, what, what scripture teaches is that singleness is just a separate path. We, we tend to think of it as like marriage is up here and singleness is down here. And if I work hard enough and if I pray hard enough, and if I do, 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 like maybe the Lord will reward me. But the truth is scripture places them on equal footing and says, listen, this is one path and this is another. And this is good and this is blessed and this is good and this is blessed too. And we all may start off single and some of us, our path may branch into marriage. Some of us, it may be happening sooner than others. And some of us, as we walk our path of marriage, we may branch back into singleness. But guess what? Both paths are gonna have their ups and they're gonna have their downs. Singleness isn't secondary, it's just separate. And what can happen so often is that as single people, we look across the way and we see the benefits on that side. And what happens is we spend so much of this season that we're in and we don't even get to really enjoy what we do have because we take it for granted. The enemy would love for you to believe that singleness is secondary because it goes hand in hand with the other lie that he loves to push on us. And that's that marriage simplifies. The devil would love for us to believe the lie that marriage simplifies. And if you are single and you are someone who you would say, I, I desire marriage at some point in my life, this lie is particularly dangerous for you. If you are a parent of kids, maybe you're raising teenagers and they're like really obsessed with relationships, pay attention because the enemy wants us to believe that marriage will simplify a lot of things in our lives. Continuing in 1 Corinthians verses 8 through 9, it says, Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say... It is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Now, if anybody knows this verse, you might be like, well, it's not where are we going with this. Maybe uh, at first glance, as you read verse 8, you're wondering, why, why would Paul say that it is good for single people to stay unmarried? We're going to like put a pin in that. We'll come back to that in a couple of minutes. But I want to I lean into verse 9. Okay, uh, Paul, Paul is saying, if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Now, this morning, I'm preaching to you out of the, uh, the New International Version. It doesn't make it explicitly clear, so I'm going to make it pretty clear. When Paul says that it's better for single people to marry than to burn with passion, that passion he's talking about is sexual desire. Okay, Paul understands that God created sex, that it's good, it's not nasty, right? He made it, but that it's made for a particular context. And the reason that I want to lean into potentially an awkward verse here is because Paul has a mindset that we need to understand. And it's a mindset that we can oftentimes adopt and then get really, really twisted. And here's what I mean. So in verse 9, he says, hey, it's better to marry than to burn. Simply put, right, you, you have a path as a single person. It's not the same path as marriage. It's distinct. It's separate, but it's your path. And that path is going to have its highs and it's going to have its lows. And guess what? It's also going to have some obstacles too. There are some things that are going to come in your way that are going to make this pretty difficult. Same thing with marriage. But in singleness, one obstacle that Paul specifically identifies is sexual desires. Okay, and so he says, there's an obstacle in your path, but I'm going to give you some ways to navigate around that. One of the primary ways he identifies is self-control. It's a gift of the spirit. But then he also identifies another way to navigate that. And he says, hey, some of you should just go ahead and pursue the path toward marriage. Why? Because marriage and singleness, neither one is inherently more holy than the other. So there's an obstacle, but here's how you can navigate that. 
But based off of what we know the Bible says about Jesus, what the Bible says about sin, what the Bible says about sex, what the Bible says about human beings, we know that even though Paul says it's better to marry than to burn in, the ver- in this verse, what he's not saying is, hey, if you're someone who struggles with sexual passion, go find the very first person that will be willing to marry with you and just get it out of your system, right? That's not what Paul is saying here. And more importantly, we know that Paul is not saying we know that he's not proposing marriage as an answer, as a solution to our brokenness. Is sex a good thing? Yes. But the internal brokenness inside of that, whether that is a need for connection or a need for intimacy or maybe different things that we've gone through throughout our lives, that brokenness inside of us that oftentimes leads us down the path towards sexual sin, marriage won't fix that. And I know that to be true because I know married people who still struggle with this. And the reason that I bring it up is because in in, in 2021, if you're single, you've got your path and you're walking in, it has its highs and it has its lows and it has its obstacles. But what oftentimes happens is we begin to look at marriage as the answer instead of the gift. Maybe your, your obstacle isn't sexual sin. Maybe your mindset isn't better to marry than to burn. Maybe self control isn't a a big difficulty for you, but maybe the thought keeping you up at night is, man, better to marry than to feel so lonely. Better to marry than to watch another one of my friends get engaged and and start their family, the family that I thought I was gonna have by now. Better to marry than to have to raise my children all on my own. And what can happen is as we begin to really look at our obstacles, we begin to see marriage as the ultimate simplifier. This is the answer for all of the problems that I have. And we start to elevate marriage from the level of gift to the, mar- to the level of God. And marriage becomes an idol for us. And the problem is marriage wasn't meant to be the answer for that. It was meant to be Jesus. And so we're walking our path and our path has our highs and it has its lows. And then we look over at married people and we go, oh my gosh, my life would be so much simpler if I could just be like them. My life would be so much easier if I could just be married because, you know, I know marriage isn't perfect, but when I think about all the things that I wish were different in my life, marriage seems like a really good answer to those things. But what's really funny is people on that path, married people, they will be the first ones to tell us that marriage doesn't simplify. Marriage magnifies. Marriage magnifies. It only draws to the surface and magnifies the sin and the struggles and the longings that we dealt with or that we didn't deal with as singles, the things that were a lot easier to ignore or to push down. They really come to light when you're in covenant with another sinner. Marriage doesn't simplify. All the the married people are like, you are saying something today. And guess what? Even if you're married today, you might go, oh my gosh, I wish I had known this before I was single because you may be experiencing marital tension today because of things that you didn't do when you were single. Guess what? You, You can talk it out with your spouse as much as you want. You can talk about how you want yourselves as a couple to be better. But until you shore some things up with the Lord, there are some things that are just not going to happen, some things that are not gonna be able to break through in your marriage because some stuff is between us and Jesus. Marriage magnifies. And I know that for single people today, the concept that marriage can be an idol and that we should be looking to Jesus to fulfill our needs, for a lot of us, this is not new. I'm not naive enough or prideful enough to think that this is the first time that you've heard that. And you may even be tired of hearing it. 
But what I want to challenge you with today is that I don't care what you know. I don't care what you can explain. I care about what you believe because what you believe is evident in your life. What you believe makes itself known in the way that you live. What you believe makes itself known in the way that you pray and the way that you treat people. What we believe makes itself known in the way that we trust God. And so, yes, we may, may be able to explain the concept that marriage can become an idol, but are you living like it's an idol? I don't care what you know because Satan doesn't care what you know. The enemy doesn't care if you can Sunday school explain to him that Jesus is supposed to be king if he's not king. His mission is still accomplished. The kingdom of God is not advanced because we know some stuff. I challenge you today, what are you living? What are you believing? And I believe that there are some awesome single Christians in the house today that used to believe it, but right now we just know it. And I, I wanna call you into something bigger and better today. The last lie that I want to look at today, and I want to dig in here a little bit, is the lie that your purpose in this life is tied to a person. Oftentimes, single people can kind of feel like, uh, like we're, on the, we're on like the sidelines of life. We're watching other married people, and they're like playing the game, and we're kind of just waiting on the bench, waiting to get called into the big leagues. Especially if you're someone who sees yourself as being married one day, I believe that God will have purpose for your marriage. He's going to do something really special through you as a couple. But oftentimes, we can, be, uh, we can put kind of a start date on our purpose and say, my purpose begins when I join together with the person that I'm meant to be with for the rest of my life. People feel like they are incomplete. And listen, I want to tell you today from the bottom of my heart, if you are single today and you believe that your purpose is tied to another person, you are 100% absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I'm telling you, that's why the devil is so good at what he does, because he just lied to us with the truth. The devil doesn't care if you tie your purpose to a person just as long as it's not the right person. Your purpose is tied to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Listen, you were created for a purpose, and that began with him. And as a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that your purpose began even before you walked this earth. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are our God's creation. We're his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have a purpose, and that's a today purpose. It doesn't have a, a start date on it. That purpose doesn't depend on your relationship status. And this morning, I want to say I'm so grateful that we have awesome examples of godly men and godly women who are stewarding their singleness. Men and women who, whether they are single for a season or season for a lifetime, they are serving the Lord with all that they have. They're leveraging this time in their life. You don't have to Google search to see what it looks like uh, for, for a, a single person to live with purpose because they greeted you this morning on your way in. They're teaching your children right now. Sundays after church, they're going out to feed the homeless. They're going and, and, and they're supporting missionaries from their budget. They're living this thing out. They're not waiting for somebody to come in and complete them because they understand that they've been fully equipped in Jesus to do what he has called them to do. And I honor you today. I thank you for that. If you are single today, it is not by mistake. You are on an assignment. God has a today purpose for your life. There was no clerical error in the heavenlies. He has not forgotten about you. 
And so I want to end today by talking about three practical ways for the single person, for the, for the single person in your life, perhaps three practical ways, things that you can do to actually know that you are tapping into the purpose that God has for you today. Because as easy as it is to say, it's a lot harder to live out. And the first one is this, that we need to be single-minded. Earlier on, we said that, uh, that Paul says, hey, it's good for you to be single like me. And he actually explains that later on in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, uh, he just puts it pretty plainly. He says, look, if you're married, you're divided. Your attention is divided because, yes, you're called to love the Lord, but being a godly spouse means that you're going to have to split your attention between the Lord and your spouse. That's not an evil thing. That's not a bad thing. Okay, but your attention is divided. And then he goes on to explain in verse 35, for the single person, he says, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to make things easier for you and not difficult so that you would have undistracted devotion, serving the Lord constantly with an undivided heart. The joy and the goal of singleness, whether it is a season or a lifetime, is undivided devotion to the Lord. And I know that as I say that, for the single people, you're like, mm, I'd rather have some of the gifts of marriage. I'll trade. I, I'll be honest with you. There are moments where like, I read that and I get it. But even as a single person, I go like, ah, I just don't feel like that's enough for me. I'll be honest with you. But it's in those moments where I, I really have to like dig in with the Lord and go, oh, okay. But like, what, what is this whole thing even about? Because if devoting my life to Jesus isn't enough for me, I'm not going to have a very fun time in heaven. Because no matter which path you're on, whether you're on the singleness path or the marriage path, and no matter how those paths intertwine in your life, they all end the same way. And that's undivided, undistracted devotion to God in heaven. There is no marriage in heaven. We are 100% devoted to him. And this, for the single person, this is our slice of heaven on this side of life. So I know it's not easy. But man, it's everything for us. And maybe you're here this morning, you go, hey, I have kids. I am the primary caregiver for people in my life. I don't have the luxury of being undivided. I, I wish I were. Listen, I understand that. And, and I'm not calling you to be something that you're not supposed to be. This, that's, it's good for you to take on what the Lord has called you to. But what I would ask you this morning is, as you kind of step back and examine the pie chart of your life and you see how much of your time or how much of your energy, how much of your vitality you're giving out to other things or other people, I wanna challenge you and say, okay, but how much of that is the Lord getting? Because I can't pretend to have walked a single minute in your shoes. I can't say that what rests on your shoulder rests on mine, but I can tell you that the first and greatest command to love the Lord with all of our heart all of our strength, all of our mind, all of our, all of our soul, every part of us. Jesus didn't say that with any qualifications. That's for every single one of us. So our goal is not what is the minimum amount that I can give to Jesus to get his blessings or whatever I want, but man, what is the most I can give to be fully devoted in the season and the calling that I have? We want to be single-minded or as single-minded as possible. The second uh, practical thing, and Pastor Wayne, you can come on up, the second practical thing that you can do to really walk in your purpose, single person, is you can refuse to settle. You can refuse to settle. I get that this season for you may hold a lot of disappointment. We talked about the highs and lows. You may feel like the last several years have been a low for you. And what can happen is that disappointment tempts us to settle. 
because you thought you would be married by now. Because when you walked down the aisle the first time, you never thought you were going to be single again, at least not at this age. Because you've tried dating before, and there's literally just the practical of like, I don't know that there's a human being that I'm compatible with. I get it. But we're not supposed to settle. And there's a difference between our preferences and our standards, right? Our preferences, the things that we prefer, those are going to change. It's not that those aren't important, but those are going to change as we grow and as we change. I'm five foot 11, okay? If you can't tell, I'm a tall lady. I would prefer to marry somebody that I could look up to, literally, all right? That's a preference. But my standards are the things that are rooted in the word of God. My standards for who I'm looking for and what I'm looking for when I envision marriage, those things are firmly founded in the Bible and those things will not change. As a matter of fact, as I've gotten older, they've only become stronger because I know who God has created me to be and I won't settle for anything less. So yeah, I might prefer someone who's six foot three, hallelujah. But my standard is that I want, I will not settle for anything less than a marriage that when I look at it, I go, together we will do more for the kingdom than I could ever do for myself. I will, one of my standards is, hey, as I, as I look at a potential mate and I think of the father of my children, I will not settle for anyone that if anything were to ever happen to me, I have no question about whether that man would be able to disciple my children because I won't, that, I won't let that rest on me alone. We need to have standards and we can't compromise our standards. And even if you don't desire to be married, maybe you to be married, maybe you feel called to a lifetime of singleness. The enemy wants you to settle for feeling isolated. He wants you to settle for being disconnected from community. He tells you things like nobody understands you. Nobody cares about you. You are a burden to the people in your life because you're not at the same level as them. Please do not settle for that because he knows that that's how he can put a cap on your purpose. And the last thing, the last practical thing that we can do is to just grow right where we are. We said that no matter where you are, no matter what path you're on, it's by assignment. It's not on accident. And we said that marriage is not gonna be the cure-all that we might think or wish that it were. When we commit to growing right where we are, we dethrone the idol of marriage. Right? We say, listen, Jesus, I'm not, I'm not doing these different things so that I can earn a spouse. I'm doing these different things because I want to honor you. And I may be tempted to think that marriage is going to solve my problems, that another human being on this earth is gonna be able to fix me. But as I walk this thing out, as I dig into the scriptures, as I bring my needs to you in prayer, as I dig into real community, as I commit to growing, as you identify the areas in my life where I can be honest and say, I'm really struggling. When I commit to growing in those areas, I walk in my purpose. And if the Lord should bring marriage down the path later for me, great. That just means I'm gonna be even more prepared. I'm gonna bring you even more glory, but I'm not doing it for that purpose. I'm doing it because I wanna honor you. I wanna end tonight or end this morning just with a time of prayer Part of that prayer is gonna be specifically over the single people in this room. And part of that is gonna be for us together as a church. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you so much that your body is so diverse, is so beautiful because it reflects who you are. 
There's no one person that can embody who you are besides your perfect son, Jesus Christ. But together, together we reflect your glory. Lord, I want to pray over the single people in the house uh, today, the single people who are listening online. I wanna pray specifically for people who have been going through a valley, a valley for a very long time. Lord, I pray they wouldn't believe the lie that they're weak, that they're a lesser Christian. But I pray that we would not fall into into the temptation to think that another human being on this earth is going to do anything that only you can do. Father, forgive us for the times when being single-minded, when being devoted to you just didn't seem like enough for us. Father, would you reignite the love in our hearts that made us want to follow you in the first place? And would you spur us on so that we would say, no matter what this life brings, no matter what expectations I had, and no matter how things play out, I'm not gonna settle for anything less than God's best for my life. Help us refuse to settle. Help us to grow right where we are. Would you even be identifying areas right now, whether that's intimacy or connection, whether that's love, whatever it is, the deep-rooted areas in our lives that we may be tempted to look to others, would you highlight those? Not so that we would try to push them down, but so that we could surrender them to you and allow you to begin to move in those places. And I thank you, Lord, for the marriages of Eastern Assembly of God. I thank you for the people that have partnered with us. God, would you help uh, those married couples to raise children who, who don't despise their singleness, but who treasure it? Would you help married couples in our church to understand that they have a wonderful opportunity to partner, to come alongside the single people in our church, to be the real community that you have created us to be? I pray for any marriages here where perhaps one spouse has made an idol of the other. Would you help us as individuals to keep you on the throne? We love you, Lord God. And it is in your mighty name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Get a little extra sleep this afternoon. We'll see you next week.